And welcome back to another episode of Hot Topics from WUSC News right here on 90.5 WSC-FM and HD1 Columbia. As always, I am Flynn Snyder, joined by... Trey Martin. And Trey, today we have a very, very, very special show ahead. Yes, I'm excited because we have Will Blackburn from the South Carolina-based band Stoplight Observations. Will, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. All right, perfect. We got this thing to work. That's always, like, the hardest part of this show is, like, making sure that all this, like, technologies, all these connections are going to work. So now I can breathe yes. a little bit. I, I, I'm, I'm feeling good now. So, uh, Will, how are you doing today? Will got on the call and was, like, playing basketball in his driveway. <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> Yes, I'm, I'm great. I'm great. How are you guys doing? We're doing good. So uh, first off, uh, yesterday, uh, unfortunately, uh, Eddie Van Halen, one of the, as you said, probably one of the top five guitars of all time, passed away. Uh, what did, you know, kind of his music mean to you, if it meant anything at all? Or what did his guitar playing, you know, kind of do for you? So I'll, I'll give you a, I'll speak for my drummer and... Um, guitar player and piano player John Keith and Luke Withers. They were much bigger Eddie Van Halen fans than I was. It wasn't that I wasn't a fan of Eddie Van Halen. I just, I didn't grow up listening to Van Halen. Um, I grew up listening to a completely different genre of music, but as I got older and started to play guitar or even really is like we started to record music and I would be listening back to a guitar solo being played in the booth and then you realize how hard it would be to craft up something the way that he did um yeah i think i mean i think you said it i think he's he's obviously one of the best guitar players to ever live and his style of playing you know influenced an entire generation of of <clears throat> music listeners and it gave that genre of music real credibility which i'm not sure that they had prior to van halen Oh yeah, definitely. That was a that was a great answer. Um, but uh, another thing that we kind of wanted to talk about was on your website, on y'all's about section. Like, it's incredible. It's like who who wrote that? The story about how you guys is it really long? Is it a really long one? It's yeah, like, yeah, it's kind of long, but it's yeah. really entertaining. So, um, um, yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. Well, well, I was just gonna say, why don't you tell us about the incarnation of the band how did the band come to be because this was a really interesting story um one of your bandmates actually had he calls it a divine intervention and that's how he got in contact with you and that's how the the band got started so kind of tell us about that a little bit yeah i I can't speak for john keith's divine interventions but he does he has them from time to time (laughs) um he he and i knew each other I'm, i'm sure if you're reading it you can read all of this but he and i knew each other um, from a church my grandfather was a pastor at in Anderson, South Carolina. And I would go visit my grandparents for the weekend or whatever. And John Keith's family lived across the street. So we were the same exact age, and they lived there until I was probably eight or nine years old before they moved to Charleston, maybe a little longer. Um, and John Keith's family lived there, I'm pretty sure, the entire time they were. So we would play together as kids. And when we uh, went to music, I guess, probably middle school together we started playing music around each other but we hadn't quite played together and I made a recording sometime maybe around like 14 15 years old of some songs that I had covered and there was a loop video made on Facebook at the time and he saw it one day before school so he sent me this Facebook message I don't know we were probably juniors maybe sophomore juniors in high school and he was like hey I you know I play music with 
Luke Withers, who you know. He lives down the street from you, and I'd been, like, skating with Luke. We all kind of knew each other. And Louis Duffy, who you went to school with, uh, a Catholic school. And so I said, all right, cool. I'll come over and play music with you guys. And since that day, I've pretty much been playing with him and Luke and Louis since that day. So it's been quite, quite a long time. That's incredible. So there's a lot of chemistry between you guys as musicians when you're up there on stage. Yes. Yeah. I think you can't really fake that kind of thing. You kind of either, you know, someone, um, or you know, their history and you have a long history with them or you don't. Oh yeah. So, um, tell us about, you know, kind of how you guys got started. You said you, uh, released your first album in 2013. You know, what was it like, you know, trying to get off the ground here in South Carolina? You know, to be honest with you, and this may, this may sound a little jaded, but I think in hindsight it was easier because we had so many people that knew us and like believed in it. You know what I mean? I think we had, we were fortunate in our early years to have so much support and um, I kind of think that propels you along. I think a lot of bands, you know, if you have a lot of fight and courage and heart about you you can make up for some of those things but it really helps when you go to bed at night as like a 21 year old or a 20 year old who's considering dropping out of college to hear all of your friends say you should absolutely do it and to even hear maybe like relatives or parents say you know take the leap do your thing it's it seems like it's working and we believe in you and we hear the music and it's amazing we want you to keep going some of it, I think, was probably our friends and family just telling us that they loved it because they loved who we were as human beings and they could see how passionate we were about it, right? So that's probably a major part of encouraging a young band. But I'll be honest, I really think we had it – I think we had it pretty easy, really easier than most. Yeah, and, and – And the harder parts have gotten as you get older and, and maybe things that don't develop in the exact way – you plan for it in your mind or they develop differently and you could never have foreseen those things at like 20, 21 years old. Yeah. And, and will, you know, it t you talk about some of your inaugural days. Um, you guys played some of your first shows in Sullivan's Island, you know, on the coast there in Charleston, kind of just talk to me about the opening days. Like, do you just kind of describe your sound and do you think you guys have maintained a consistent sound musically throughout um, your albums that you've released? Or do you think there's been sort of a change as you've gone along? And if so, what has that change been? I think for a while, we really did do a good job of like trying to maintain something, right? Like really try and um, recreate past singles or things that we would have been like that's a focus track like that's something that we can tell a lot of people like so maybe we want to go for that vibe on this song or maybe we like the structure of that song and it goes a b a b c b and that's the end of the track so let's do that again because that really seems to work there's like a formula right there's got to be a core formula at the basis of every band but for us really after we did Tugadu, we lost Coleman Sawyer as the bass player and added Mahoney as the bass player, which totally changed the sound of the band. Um, on Radiation, we had Lewis Duffy and Coleman Sawyer and Wyatt Gary and Spencer Post. We had all these other band members playing instruments that, you know, aren't in the music today. It's entirely different today than the way it was then. So I think obviously, yeah, we've changed and we're proud of the changes we've made. But I think the version of ourselves that we are today is, is probably the best, most cohesive, and most honest version 
that we've ever had. And the music has altered. I think some people would be like, oh, I miss the Leroy's and the Search Into Your Soul and like that kind of swampier Southern rock sound. And I vibe with that. I'm, I'm with you. I, I feel all of those things. I just personally as a human being, I think myself, John Keith, Luke and Mahoney have grown uh, some ways in, the, in similar facets and then other ways we've grown to kind of respect the core parts of ourselves that pull us back into the things that are most familiar with us. And a lot of that has to do with the music I grew, grew up listening to as a kid. So some of that like R&B and soul and rhythm and blues vibe that we got going now, um, you know, we didn't have that back then. And I don't know if it would have served us very well then, but it certainly seems to be serving us well now. Well, uh, you can definitely uh, hear that change. Um, and, and something that I wanted to ask you about that was mentioned on your website is the vault. Um, kind of a, a new way that you guys are approaching this music. So you uh, mentioned you released your last full album in 2016. Um, and then other than like volume one and volume two, it's just been all singles. Um, so what's been, you know, kind of the, the purpose behind that and, um, you know, ha- ha- it seems like that's working for you guys. So, you know, um, what, what are your plans for that in the future? I think it's so like subjective, you know, different bands will, will give you totally different reasonings behind why they do what they do or why they might favor albums over singles, but, or vice versa. Um, for us, I think we just favored the singles because it gave us more, mobility and it made us kind of agile as far as our sound goes so we did a track like too young and then waited two years and the next song we did was how do you feel if even if it's not the same even if it's somewhat cohesive and reminiscent it gives you a nice springboard to do something totally different next uh which is kind of what we did and i'm not saying we we you know, schemed all of this out exactly like that two years in advance. We didn't have that type of forethought. But once we, once you're in a position where it's been so long since you've released music, you kind of have to decide, do you want to lump things together or should we stretch this thing out and obviously be more like, uh, how would you say? I, I guess you could be more consistent with your content the way we've tried to be. Um, but the singles are really part of the way music is moving as a whole and not so much some idea that stoplight is unique with having i think if you look at hip-hop it's almost all singles until you get an album and even now you might get three or four songs off the album before the album even drops um i definitely think we're we're about to make a bit of a u-turn back to the albums like i think people are getting bored with this like single adhd type music release stylings um and they want like some dense complex piece of art that they can digest over time and and they can associate like a whole part of their life with that album you know like you can't associate a whole time in your life with one song maybe you can um but you'd have to listen to it a hell of a lot but like i can tell you specifically how i felt where i was what i was doing when i was you know listening to frank ocean's blonde for like three straight months because i thought it was the greatest thing ever and there's some value to that so while we have been doing the single thing, I think, you know, I can I can speak for the band when I say I think we're going to pivot back into doing some longer, more dense releases. Yeah, and uh, I think it would serve us to do that. 
Yeah, and Will, you know, really quick, uh, before we have to throw in a break here, you talk about the difference in music taste amongst a lot of the members in the group. Do you think that influences what your sound is like for a band overall? Like, is there certain parts of certain songs that you guys have released that's a little bit of this member and a little bit of that member's influence? Like, do you think that just it's a coalescence of your different tastes? Yeah, I mean, definitely. I think... I think every band is like that. We might not think that because maybe, you know, we don't have anybody near to us that's like in a band that, you know, they think they're going to do this for the rest of their life. A lot of bands, especially when you're in college, like you're a college band. Like I realize that we all think we might romantically do this for the rest of our lives, but that's going to be a stretch. And the older you get, you know, you have to be more realist with yourself about that. At the same time, you know, I think, I think the musicians as a whole of today, they are constantly bringing like they're we're, we're all being told to be more unique and identifiable while also conforming to like the same social norms in mass quantity probably more in mass than we've ever done before but it's making certain people be like i want to be me and when you have a band and you put a few guys in there that are like very much um who they are in everything that they do, whether it be the style of music they play, what they eat, you know, what kind of TV they watch, what kind of car they drive, it can make for some really interesting music. And I, I personally think the best music is made in that kind of way. Like I love to hear a band where the drummer is has a drastically different taste in music than maybe the singer would, because sometimes it offers a nice reprieve from like being overbearing with one genre you know, or just Mm -hmm. like really hitting it so on the nose. A lot of jazz is like that. It's like so on the nose that I realize I should be incredibly impressed. And I I love jazz music, so I feel like I can say this. But, you know, at the same time, I feel like all you guys go home and listen to the same Sonny Rollins record. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you're all doing the same thing. So I think there's some serious value. Stoplight definitely has that. I know some other bands that do like I, I think it might be one of the most important parts of a, of a great band. You yeah. need that character. Um, you, you, you need that part of the band to have unique characteristics that you could only have if people that played two totally different genres of music or that enjoyed two totally different genres of music got together and decided to play. Well, we are... Um we need to cut to a break real quick so we are gonna uh come back in just a couple minutes and speak with uh will blackburn of stoplight observations um and then we're gonna play a little bit of their music to close some things out so that's all coming up next on hot topics distance between yourself and others is critical to slowing the spread of coronavirus so here are ways to stay in contact without the physical contact part Call, send a text, set up a video conference, post on social media, dedicate a song on the radio. If you have symptoms of fever, dry cough, and shortness of breath, call your health care provider before going to their office. For more info, visit coronavirus.gov. Let's all do our part, because we're all hashtag alone together. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Hi, I'm your host, Smokey Colbert. Filling in for Smokey, because after 75 years of... Only you can prevent wildfires. Turns out there's much more to say. Nearly 90% of wildfires are caused by us humans being careless, dumping our used barbecue coals willy-nilly. Guess the song was wrong. 
we did start the fire. That's why I respect Mother Nature and her trees, whether coniferous or new car scented. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. Are you over your head in debt? Every year, millions of Americans find yeah, themselves guys, with man. serious cool. money problems. I'm Susan Keating with the National Foundation for Credit Counseling, and I'm here to tell you there is help available. The NFCC is a network of accredited, nonprofit, community-based agencies offering free and low-cost budgeting and money management services. Call 800-388-2227 to find an NFCC agency near you or visit nfcc.org. Turn to the NFCC for a helping hand. You'll be glad you did. And welcome back to Hot Topics right here from WUSC News. Today we are sitting down with lead vocalist of Stoplight Observations, Will Blackburn, a uh, South Carolina uh, or band rather that got its start right here in South Carolina. And uh, so, yeah, I think we're going to change the conversation a little bit and talk more about how coronavirus uh, has affected the band as it as it has probably literally every single band uh, in the world at this point. But, you know, you guys, uh, Stoplight Observations, has actually gone on the uh, wave of doing socially distant drive-in music fe- uh, concerts, uh, specifically one in Asheville uh, with Mount Joy last weekend. Uh, so we'll talk about that um, and kind of just your experience, overall reactions to the show, and um, just kind of how you think it compared and landed musically uh, to a regular concert. This is a new thing for us. Um, it's new for everybody, so including the listener. And I realize that it's not the same. We all, we all have. Uh, I think we all have like romantic fantasy about going back to being elbow to elbow at like some show. I personally don't. I'm like, I'm not kind of against that like close talker thing, (laughs) but I think a lot of people really miss that type of feeling. And I really miss it too. So as a performer, I really miss having the rail at the front of the show jammed with people that I can go engage with and kind of create some type of dialogue with over a period of an hour and a half. I think that is something yeah, it's irreplaceable. And it's, it's, I dearly miss it. And it's interesting too because I just like wondering from a performer's um, aspect. It's like you know you're used to coming out and seeing you know just a crowded venue full of people, but now you're coming out and it's like people are like six feet apart and in their cars, and it's like apocalyptic looking almost. Like how does that does it affect you at all when you're on stage, or you know does it change how you perform? Yeah, I try to not let it affect me. I, we, I, all of us do. I can speak for all the boys. We, we try not to let it affect us, but it's just natural. Like when you have people right there in front of you that know every single word that are there with you. Like if you want to take it to a certain place, they'll they'll go there with you. It's it's unique to have that, and I think it, it will be sorely missed. Like bands that grow up and or that start playing in the COVID era that don't get that type of thing, you're not going to, the crowd work is going to be hard. You're going to have to fake it. So yeah, I think for us, like we are so fortunate that we were able to play in front of large crowds over the last couple of years. So we could kind of get our chops right. And yeah. learn how to perform from, you know, the bigger the stage is, the further you are away from the crowd anyway. So if you can put on like a killer performance from 50 yards away, uh, the nearest fan, I think that's pretty good. And that's kind of where we're headed for the future. So well, Will, I feel good about it, but, you know. Well, thank you so much for joining us. We're about to run out of time on our Zoom meeting, but... Really really quick, Will, why don't you tell everybody listening uh, any future events that the uh, band may have coming up or any uh, any music we can be looking forward to in the, in the next couple months? Yeah, so um, I think for events, if you live in the South Carolina area, 
Uh, you can come see us on November 21st. We're going to be at the Gilliard Auditorium. Um, it's a socially distant show, so it's a very large room, and um, we're only going to sell 380 tickets. So you might be thinking, wow, it's 1,800 people. It's a lot of people. Let's not do that. But we're only going to sell 380. I'm, I'm really stoked on that show. And secondly, with the music side of things, um, we're going to announce in the next couple of days that our EP is going to come out October 20th. So oh, that's um, a little oh, hot that's topics really, exclusive. That's really there. soon. Yes. Yeah, hot topics exclusive. That should be. Uh, <laughs> that should be common knowledge here in the next couple of days, but we're really, really excited about that. And I think I really hope people dig the songs. If you've liked the stuff we've been releasing over the last, you know, say year or a little longer, I think this is going to be a good answer to it. And there will be some follow-up music before the end of the year as well, which is also really exciting. Cool. Well, thank you so much, Will. And that's going to do it for this week's episode of hot topics. Join us thank every you Wednesday. Thank you so much at 6 p.m. for the latest entertainment, culture, food, and everything in between. Next week, Dead Swells, another Charleston-based band, will be joining us. We're talking about their big 2020 and their latest music video. Hot Topics is a production by WUSC News and Garnet Media Group and is produced by Troy Dassing and Ward Jollis. You can catch other WUSC News shows on Monday and Friday at 6 o'clock p.m. on garnetmediagroup.org. I'm Flynn Snyder. And I'm Trey Martin. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. And remember to keep it hot. Yeah, and to close the show out today, we're going to play a single from Stoplight Observations. This is Too Young. Thanks for joining us, everyone, and we'll catch you next week.